Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons. We're advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, and research. Hi, I'm Jenna Bernstein. I'm an academic surgeon at Yale University in Connecticut, and I am looking forward to my podcast debut. Hi, I'm Anna Cohen-Rosenblum, a hip and knee surgeon at Louisiana State University, where our department mascot is an alligator getting a booster shot. In this next episode from the AUKUS annual meeting, we will hear from Dr. Lizzie Lieberman and Dr. Kim Tucker. Hi, I'm Lizzie Lieberman. I'm a hip and knee surgeon in Portland, Oregon. Hi, everybody. I'm Kim Tucker. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. Great. Thank you guys so much for speaking with us. So let's start off. Just tell us what you're most excited about at the annual meeting this year. I'm most excited about seeing a lot of the people that I've been communicating with via text or email in person, including some people that I've done research with uh, across the country and, you know, written papers and gotten even publications about and have never actually met in person. So it's a really good opportunity to be in the same place for the first time in a long time. I totally agree. It's been really cool to meet all these people that I've been texting with forever. I've just met one person who you guys interviewed earlier, Dusty, and I know him from Twitter. And I, I was like, we're real friends, right? <laughs> just Twitter friends. And it, it's like, yeah, we are actually. We all know each other yeah. really well. And Anna and I have been texting for years now. And we really haven't spent that much time together in real life. So it's actually really cool to get to see everybody and get to know everybody as like normal people or real people. But I'd also like to say it's been really an interesting transition to actually wearing clothes that aren't sweatpants. <laughs> and um, I'm wearing heels for tight. the first time in about a year and a half. So I'm not impressed. super excited about that, but I'm working through that. <laughs> Do you have a heels time limit? I think I get about five hours. Yeah, and I've got, yeah, it, same. About five oh. hours, but <laughs> wow, I'm already a little irritated. That's longer than me by about four hours and 30 minutes. So, <laughs> so one of the benefits of having the entire conference and where everyone is staying at, be at the same hotel is you can just do a quick uh, shoe change in between. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that's what I wanted to mention, too. The educational benefits of the meeting, of course, are great, like the general session. But the social aspect of it, which is what you don't get on the virtual part, to connect socially friendly, but also for professional development and make connections and networking and research. So that's been really great to see. I for agree. sure. Absolutely. So Kim, we just wanted to talk a little bit about the video that came out last year, a couple of years ago, talking about different statements that women had experienced within arthroplasty and orthopedics. Would you talk about the inspiration for that and how that came about making that video? Sure. That was actually a video that was originally thought of by the person who was doing um, our education at AUKUS, Denise, and she had watched a video that priests had actually made, like women priests, and had the idea that, oh my gosh, we should consider doing this in orthopedics, and actually put a message out on the orthopedic, women of orthopedics Facebook group, and overnight had like 400 responses, hundreds hundreds of responses. Like it took less than 24 hours to have a full set of answers to this question. And I think the fact that everybody did it so quickly just, 
told me like how much this resonated with people and how much sat on the surface for them. Yeah, exactly. We're all just kind of sitting there with this stuff all the time and not really have an outlet for it. So all of those got placed into a Excel spreadsheet and we actually had to cut out a very substantial portion of them for being too controversial or just really uncomfortable that we didn't even think the guys would say. And if you saw in the videos, a couple of them, they were actually like, oh no, I pass or I won't say that. And one thing I want to comment about that, that uh, this will go aside, sorry, Laird, but the guys are uncomfortable saying those things. And I've noticed this year, I've heard about people not wanting to say those things. We have those things said to us all the time. Yeah, right. So like, why are they allowed to not do it? Why are they allowed to? uh, (laughs) I guess I shouldn't sound so angry, but it's like, yes, you're welcome. We hear this stuff all the time for real. Oh, and your daughters do too. Mm -hmm. And your mom did. And we do. So it's just one of those things that they're like, oh, well, I don't really feel comfortable with that. Sorry, we don't either. Yeah, that's, do you remember when any of them were that were too controversial? Oh gosh, I mean, it was mostly like sexual things, like just really racy, like uncomfortable things that we've all had said to us, I'm sure, not maybe all, but I'm generalizing, but lots of us have had said to us at some point. Or have seen said to another female, which puts you in an equally uncomfortable position of, am I an advocate for this person? Or does that put me, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, that leads to this year's video. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we always try to figure out is, you know, there are a lot of allies in our male colleagues, and I think that they kind of don't know what to do. And that was one of the things that we tried to figure out was how to give them some brief ways to interrupt that poor behavior because if it's happening in the OR and it's attending, maybe somebody can do different interventional methods and there's a few methods. I can tell you what those are, just put them up on my phone, but. Yes, um, absolutely. So the methods that we're looking at are interruption and that's basically like you basically refocus the conversation so that even if they're talking about someone in a derogatory way, you can basically refocus the conversation. You can use humor to deflect. You can deflect by putting the attention onto yourself or you can reflect basically saying like, wow, did you really mean to say that? It sounds like you said this. And that gives them basically an out so that they can get themselves out of that situation and that pulls them into thinking about it. So those are the things that we're focusing on in this video. And we had some really great gentlemen advocates who were involved in that. And I I really hope it's gonna be great. That's amazing. What was some of the feedback you got from the last video and other people in other areas that were interested in in using the video for themselves. So this is kind of an interesting thing. I got a phone call from my prior residency director and he was kind of like, Kim, was that us? Like in a secret (laughs) voice. And I was like, you know, Dr. Ruth, it was not you in particular. Like you were amazing. We really do have great mentors as well and people who really do try to lift us up with them too. So I, I think that it's not all that, but I think if we could teach or encourage our male colleagues to be more of allies, I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Something that also was just discussed that always strikes me every time we talk about it is intersectionality and and frequently how we, we ask men to support us, but how us as white women need to make sure we support people who are diverse in other ways and make sure that they also have a platform. You know, we have WIA that's very clearly for us along with whoever is our allies and we should just make sure as people who are very involved in that, that that we make sure that's open to people who are diverse in other ways as well and make sure that there's a place for them too. 
I mean, I think the same way that us four women sitting here talking about being a woman in orthopedics, it's really easy for us because it's our shared experience and we can easily relate and discuss. But what we have to look at is how does this relate to other people? And you don't know unless you put yourself in their shoes for a minute. So, you know, you've heard the suggestions of watch documentaries, listen to podcasts, do things like that, that are about people who are in different situations from different backgrounds from yourself. So you can maybe have a better understanding because it's not your Native American, Asian, other different race colleagues responsibility to educate you about what their upbringing was like and it's different for everyone but just acknowledging that we all come from a different place educating yourself the best you can and then you have a, a, a bit of a perspective but things like this video and these you know bystander interventions and things like that I mean I, we've all probably been in a noir where someone has made a racially insensitive comment so it's not just gender these strategies or don't just work for sexuality gender. Yeah, I'm sure absolutely. we've heard plenty of those yes yeah. and you never even know because someone might not be externally showing what their diversity it, card and it's is not but that hard either I mean you can just say something like we don't really talk like that here right. I mean you don't yes. have to like go into a big explanation even just yeah. like, we don't but do that I think say that. us all being aware that we also can be advocates for other people uh, is really really the point that I want to just make sure that you know I do that for myself because I think sometimes you forget that you also can be someone else's advocate who needs you and, and, and I, I think, think as someone being new in practice in our group the young arthroplasty group these are people who are transitioning into practice and I don't know about you not used to being on the sort of other end of the hierarchy right so you may be used to just keeping your head down as a medical student or a resident yes. when these kinds of comments get made but now that you're transitioning into practice you can definitely use that power and privilege that you have to advocate for others absolutely yeah goals for practice for both of you in the next five years where do you see your practice <laughs> and yourself going or where would you hope it went so I'm in my first, um, this is my second, second year now. in practice now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just continuing to, um, uh, you know, hopefully provide quality care for patients. You know, we are all in this position of trying to pass boards and all of that. So, but uh, I'm in actually a unique practice where I'm at a, a satellite hospital partnered with an academic center. So we have the opportunity to provide high level quality care for patients who otherwise might not have access to that kind of tertiary referral type hospital setting. So just trying to build a program that allows us to do that really well. Great. So we interviewed Rye Kagan, who actually oh, yeah, my talked partner. you up. He said how great oh. a job you were doing building oh everything up by yourself. So. Oh boy, she yeah. said. Rye's <laughs> 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 yeah. also a great partner. I'll talk him up as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoops. <laughs> we can cut that too. Edit. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> Honestly, all good things. He did, it's, though. It's cool because you have two young surgeons out in the community on our own trying to provide care for patients who are scared to, you know, we live in Portland, so the city's divided by a river and they're scared to cross the river or go up the hill where our big academic you know hospital is literally up on a hill and it's hard to get to and patients don't want to go there so we're in a really cool situation where we can do that so it's a it's a great opportunity for us Kim you're obviously in a different place in your yeah practice. I am so I'm at year 13 so I've been doing this for a while and I'm actually to the point where I'm just trying to find things that I'm interested in pursuing as a I mean my practice is pretty well established I do the surgeries that I want to do I don't do the surgeries I don't want to do. So, I, I mean, that's why some of these advocacy campaigns that I'm involved in are really bringing new life into my love of what we do. I'm also trying new 
technology out, trying to do some of that and not necessarily for the, as much the benefit of outcome at this point is just that it's kind of cool to see this new stuff yeah. and maybe it will end up, I don't think the studies are out there yet, but maybe it'll turn out to be something like that. But right now for me, it's just kind of fun to try something new yeah. because I've been doing the same thing for as many years as I have. So can you talk at all about being the AUKUS member at large? What's that been like? It has been really cool to see how AUKUS works from the inside. It's been a little different just because of with COVID, it's all been over Zoom. So I really didn't get, I, I, I don't want to say advantage, but the opportunity to like meet people. I don't think there's probably not a lot of people who actually know that I'm the AUKUS member at large who are actually on the board even. So <laughs> <laughs> I introduced myself to one last night and he was like, and what do you do? <laughs> so I, I I don't know. It's It's been really a great opportunity. I'm happy to have that opportunity, but it's been a little different with all the Zoom meetings and not just in person where you can network and do all the things that we're doing here at this meeting. Do you have advice for young members who are looking for how to get more involved with AUKUS and really get to that position? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of the committees now are always happy to have volunteers. I know, you know, some of the committees too could use a lot of the younger people's knowledge. Um, digital, I know, would probably love that. And um, I, education, like the folks who are a little closer to that uh, that time period would really be helpful, I think, to the board members because they're really focused heavily on advocacy. And that's something that, you know, when you're starting out in practice, I didn't know anything about that. So that's not really where your strengths are going to lie. So I would say focusing on things that you enjoy doing and that you're passionate about but lots of the committees have spaces or places for really anyone who wants to become involved awesome the summary of that is just ask yeah exactly yeah really worst they can do is say no and then you just ask again really so, they wouldn't even say no say they'll yes. just not respond so they'll, <laughs> you'll either say yes or they'll just not respond to your email so neither of those hurt that bad but also like bring them don't just say hey I want to help with this you say like here's what I want to do your website can I work on that can I see if I can make that a little better for you or can I do this or that you know come with ideas and I think they'd be super receptive to that absolutely that's yeah. great advice perfect Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit aahks.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, and investigate in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.